Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, the Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the esteemed Erica Bon Barbagaris, the saucy Sam Groton, and the magnanimous Michelle Shepardson. Today, we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and Senda, and we're going to talk about some things players should be mindful of when playing games that are being recorded or streamed. Before we dive into that topic, though, let's ask our Get to Know a Gnome question. What was your first experience with an RPG as performed entertainment? Jared, I'm actually going to start with you. Okay, well, that's good, because I'm going to give the old guy answer. So, back in the the uh, 90s, TSR had this big push to start doing, like, uh, audio supplements for all of their products that they were releasing, and they had a sampler. And on the sampler, they had basically a recording of a group, you know, playing through a session where they're talking about what their char- what actions their characters were taking and all sorts of things like that. And it wasn't, like, organically a natural group that they recorded. It was a bunch of actors reading a script, but there was a script about people playing a game. And I had gone so long without actually playing a game at that point in the 90s that I used to listen to that on my way to work and back just so that I kept in that feeling of it. And I listened to that thing over and over again. I'm not saying it was anything great, but it was just very interesting to hear this recorded version of an RPG session. That's awesome. What about you, Sunday? What about yeah, you, Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, uh, strangely, although my uh, actual audio experience was probably pretty different, the reason that I listened and the times that I listened were the same. I also started listening during a period of my life where I did not get to game and I was listening to and from work. And I also listened to some parts of it over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> but the first show that I got uh, really stuck on was Crit Juice, um, which I don't even remember how I exactly stumbled across it. But like, it's a bunch of actors out in Hollywood and a GM who I think is the only guy who maybe wasn't an actor, but that was probably good because the rest of them are pretty wild. <laughs> and they basically drank and played fourth edition and they got consecutively drunker as it continued which made it mostly hilarious and that that kind of got me back on board and from there i discovered a whole bunch of other podcasts and unfortunately kind of dropped that one and, and they stopped you know dropping episodes regularly and stuff and yeah it was it was good juice <laughs> what about you Ange? So back in the 90s, you know, I remember hearing about, I think it was like Tracy Hickman would do like a lunch or breakfast D&D thing, which was basically a bunch of people would be up on a stage and he would basically GM a bunch of tables at once. And it was kind of done for entertainment. I never experienced this, but I had heard of it. And then, you know, honestly, I probably came to this all the latest out of all of us because I honestly don't know the first actual play podcast i listened to it might have been one of she's a super geek episodes yes <laughs> it might have been an episode yeah. of campaign i don't no, know no no just say it was she's a super geek i mean there <laughs> will have been she's a super geek because you were the first person i actually knew right that was involved <laughs> in them so i'm like 
Well, let me give this thing a listen, because Senda's kind of cool, so this should be interesting. And I think I listened to one of your weirder episodes first. <laughs> uh, what do you consider is, weird? <laughs> one of the ones where it was just you and Andy, maybe oh. it was the doll episode. Oh, yeah, those ones were kind of interesting, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. and, you know, so, like, I... I Came to it a little later, but it was a concept I had heard of before. So getting into our main topic, all of us here have a little bit of experience with RPGs as entertainment, as we just discussed. And I thought it might be interesting to have a conversation about stuff players should know when they're going to be in a game that is going to be streamed, recorded, any type of, you know, put back out there for people to watch or listen to in the future and you know we all have a little bit of experience with that i'm probably the least experienced here i have some experience <laughs> yeah yeah so senda why don't you tell us about your experience okay um the first thing that i feel like we should just state straight up is a lot mm -hmm. of this is going to end up being personal opinions and personal preferences and yes. some of that is just inevitable so, you know, take what is useful to you, leave what is not useful to you, and um, don't feel like we are necessarily laying down hard, fast rules that must be obeyed at all times, right? Like, I feel like we just have to say that to begin with, because I can yes. be like, these are the decisions that I made because I felt like this, right? But like, that doesn't mean that's what everybody else is going to do. So for context, in case you don't know, I have been the co-host of She's a Super Geek, which is an actual play RPG podcast that has been running for a little bit over five years now. We are wrapping up at the end of this year, which is 2020, in case you're listening to this in the far-flung future. But those episodes will still be out there no matter what, even when we disappear. We're not going to take them down or anything. Um, and we are currently in the process of uh, helping a very fantastic person launch the spiritual successor to our show and basically um, giving them as much resources and support as we can to start what is going to be a live streaming show. So just to, that is my quick context and my quick blurb about the as of yet unnamed next thing that I have to keep talking about everywhere because it's great. So excited. <laughs> I, am, I am actually looking forward to this we, next thing. Yeah. I know. We just need to like name it because then it will be easier <laughs> to talk about. Then like, it becomes man, real. What are we going to name it? <laughs> what are we going to call it? Um, anyway, uh, so, so, so all of that um, out of the way. That's 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 the the very broad strokes my experience in doing it. A couple of things that I've personally learned or my opinion or preference has steered me into with doing actual play are things like it's very important when you're recording actual play whether it's live or pre-recorded whatever it is. This is a story that's not just for you, it's something that you're actually sharing with your audience and it's really key to keep that in mind. Both because there are things you have to worry about in terms of like upbeats, downbeats, really keeping things moving, making interesting decisions, right? That like maybe if it was your home game and you were having an off night, like, yeah, you can just kind of step into the background a little bit and like it's not a big deal for a night, right? And like that's how you can manage some of your emotional output in your game if you don't have as much on a given week. But if it's actual play, you don't really have the option to do that. You have to bring it. Because mm -hmm. you are actually performing every time, right? So there's stuff like that, which is just in juxtaposition to like, when I play and I don't have a mic in my face, it's like, now it's like, oh, this is so relaxed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can just chill. I'm not worried about like, am I putting enough emotion into this? You know, 
is this an interesting enough decision? Am I making the most interesting decision that I could make right now? Are we, as a group, moving this story together in an interesting way so that the story itself remains engaging in ways that people who are not directly playing in it still care about, right? And so there's a bunch of stuff like that. And I will say, secret sauce behind the curtains, like, just to be clear, there are definitely times because my show is edited and it is not played live, we will actually pause the game, especially if we're like starting to get down into the last little bit of time that we have left. We will pause the game as players and say, hey, you know, we got like 45 minutes to wrap this up. What is the direction that we see this going in? Or like, what is the most interesting resolution we could do for this story so that we can all just get on board and steer into that, right? And that's the kind of thing that like, it's not that I never do that in a home game, right? Like there are totally times when it's appropriate to telegraph something, right? To be able to say like, I want to set a scene where I think this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is sort of the outcome I want to steer towards. I think that kind of thing is great in games in general, but this is more of a thing that happens because we're recording and because we know that we're actually generating this as an end product to make sure that it still comes out like really cool and that we have a satisfying ending despite things like a time limit, right? Mm -hmm. Which is this the kind of thing that you have to work around. There was one other thing that I wanted to mention and then I will stop talking very quickly because I'm like <laughs> jamming so much information in to a very small time frame and I don't want to take all the time. Um, take my information! <laughs> get it in there! So the other thing that I have to mention is that there are some things that are perfectly fine to do in your home game that are not perfectly fine to necessarily do streaming. And the biggest one of those is when you are exploring something that is not necessarily the person who you are, it's worth looking at why you want to do that in a live stream when you may be making discoveries along the way about what those things are to you, what that means to you, or your understanding of how groups of people may be marginalized by their experiences, it's something to be very careful about when you're doing it in a live stream or a live mm -hmm. show situation, right? Because while it's absolutely our goal to be inclusive in these things, when you are recording something live, if you are not steeped in that knowledge and if you are not living that knowledge, you may not make the right decision or react in the way that people would expect you to in that moment because it's live, right? So that's just, it's something to seriously consider when you are approaching live play. If you are going to play someone of a marginalization that you don't share, I think that it's very important to take into consideration, A, why you're doing it, B, like, do you have the knowledge and, and the support to do that in a way that is not going to come across badly because it's live? And I would right? add, <laughs> you know, the empathy. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's, it's, my thing would be like, don't necessarily say no to it, but fully examine why you want to do this. And are you in a place that you can do it? Yeah. And, and that's, that's definitely, I think, the direction that I'm trying to just point towards, which is not like you can't, but it is a question of, are you the right person to do it on mics, right? Mm -hmm. And are you personally in a place where that's a good decision for you to do it? And maybe the answer to all of those things is yes. But it's worth some introspection and some consideration to make sure before you record right. something, which I do think is a little bit different than a home game. Because if I'm sitting down to a home game and I'm like, 
I want to explore from a perspective of understanding and like gaining empathy what it might be like to be X, right? That's different with me sitting around a table with my home group who are people who understand that I'm exploring and learning a thing right. than people who are listening on mics who are basically, um, once you're on a mic, you're an expert. You have to be, whether you actually are or not. Hello, I'm an expert <laughs> on live streaming um, because I'm recording it. So I think that it's very important, like the media and the context of, of playing with stuff or safety things. Oh my gosh, don't even... We didn't even talk about safety stuff, right? Like you have to consider now you're playing on mics, right? I can consider my safety and the safety of my group, but now I also have to consider the safety of my audience who are people who are not sitting at the table to tell me what their lines and veils are or to hit an X card, right? Like, so I am also responsible for not putting something on air or at least not putting something on air without warning them that could be interesting. Like this is not to say that we have not put up some shows that were intense. Um, the most recent was A Cool and Lonely Courage, which is women as spies in World War II who most of them die horribly in Nazi concentration camps, right? So we definitely played that and we definitely put it up there and bad things definitely happened and it definitely had content warnings all over it. Like, you don't have to listen to that episode if you are not feeling that, right? Like in the middle of a pandemic, um, you, might, you might just not be into that and that's okay. Right. But it's my responsibility because now I'm not just worried about my safety. I also have to take into consideration the safety of the people who are listening and their boundaries may be different than mine. So it is my responsibility to basically, you know, have flags on that stuff. Whew, right. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get into like recording or anything, but I feel like I should let somebody else talk for a little bit. <laughs> I've done this uh, panel at Metatopia a couple of times. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you want more about like the actual basics of recording and stuff, I can recommend the panel cast. Um, it's from the 2019 Metatopia at least. Um, I know I did it last year. So check that out for more stuff. <laughs> if we can find a link, it'll be in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Panel <laughs> cast. Great. Jared, <laughs> let's let you talk for a little while. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, no, no, that was, that was great. And honestly, yeah. what I record and put out is nowhere near as professional as what, what Senda does. Senda, it's an amazing thing and you should definitely check out She's a Super Geek if you have the opportunity to do it. I mentioned this to Senda, you know, a couple weeks ago, how I have had so many moments when I've been out walking and laughing out loud, listening to some of the playthroughs <laughs> and on top, you know, but, and, and there's also been moments that are like massive gut punches and I will never forget the, uh, perfect echoing commentary in that masks game that Angela uh, was running. <laughs> that was so amazing. I know you think you're ready for this. That was we, so great. We did not plan that. No. <laughs> that was actually planned at all. not one of the things that we telegraphed in any way, shape, or form. It just happened. That was great. Was so beautiful. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, mainly, I... What's really weird is the first time I ever recorded anything for anyone else to see was and i looked this up just before this this uh recording eight years ago Ooh, i uh <laughs> I, I recorded my uh, marvel heroic sessions and part of why i did that was 
at the time, Marvel Heroic and Cortex Plus has a lot more of a indie sensibility to it, but it was also a game that was also featuring Marvel characters, so it was a mass release that had a lot of indie thought process and how the game played out. So I was listening to a bunch of different podcasts, and people just were not getting the system. Like, they're just like, I don't know how I can play Spider-Man if I don't know how many tons he can lift. You know, what does what does a D10 <laughs> tell me about how many tons he can lift? And it's like, well, that's not really important to how the story plays out. No, that's... he either succeeds or he doesn't. Yeah. And because of this, and because it kind of clicked to me how much I loved how this was telling the story of how a comic book actually unfolds, I decided, you know what? There's these Google Hangouts things that were actually a thing at one point in time, kids. And and at the time, you could actually stream to YouTube from Google Hangouts. And it was super easy to do this, and so I ended up doing that. And on top of all that, and this is going to turn into me like lamenting the death of uh, Google Hangouts and Google+, but uh, at the time, Google Hangouts also had plugins. And one of the plugins that somebody had written was this great script for running Marvel Heroic because you could display the dice rolls, you could choose which dice you were going to make your totals out of, you could keep track of how many uh, how many points were you know characters had, and it was great because it let you walk through the game and show people what you were doing, and. I have never, ever, with anything else that I have recorded and posted anywhere, gotten the numbers that I got on those Marvel Heroic ones, because it just seemed like there were a lot of people that just didn't get the game, but once they saw someone actually playing it, they started to understand what it was doing. And I'm really thankful I had the opportunity to do those. But honestly, re-watching those, I was thinking about, like, you know, changing those to audio and posting them, and I've seriously been trying to i got to a soul searching moment because like uh, senda was saying when you say something publicly and it goes out there people hear it and people you know take it to heart and what i noticed in that first session when i was framing what was going on in the avengers comics at that point in time we started talking about scarlet witch and i will be honest my thought process on what people have done with that character over the years has evolved quite a bit from that point in time. And we were just kind of making jokes about how Wanda lost it and destroyed all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. We tended to blame Wanda for being this character that was, you know, unstable and doing all this stuff. And it kind of bothers me listening to how I framed that at that point in time. Because Wanda is actually a person that was put under tremendous stress and in world and out of world Wanda was written by a bunch of men that just decided they didn't like her so they turned her into a character that she wasn't previously they turned her into a plot device yeah and and you know not to go off on a tangent there but like when i watched that when i framed that how i framed the thing in that first video i was like i don't like how i was discussing this i i'm really not happy with this and um it's it really made me think about a lot of the things that Senda was talking about, how when you say something and you put it out there, it's very easy for someone to take that to heart. And I hope no one saw that thing years later and thought, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how I you know, view Scarlet Witch, too, because that's not really how I feel about that anymore. Or even just, you know, the the 
like you said, you know, at the time, your frame of reference, you've evolved. People take looking at that and being like, well, that's what he thinks right now at exactly this moment in time. And not, you know, not having the room to accept that your opinions may have changed or evolved, you know, because this is a thing from eight years ago. And it's the, you know, like Tenda says, you got to be careful about what you put mm. out there. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm a party pooper on this just because like no, it's no. something that I've spent so much time really trying to be careful about and still not always getting right. Right. Like, I mean, that's yeah, it's not possible to get it right all the time. And that's like another mm -hmm. thing that you just kind of have to accept because we don't all know everything when we walk into this. And gosh, like my baby podcaster self, like I feel pretty lucky <laughs> that I didn't walk myself into some terrible things like in the first year. Right. You know, so it, but it is a thing that I like to then say to people because it's not the kind of thing I was considering when I started, but it's definitely the kind of thing that I consider now pretty much every show that I put out, whether it's actual play or not. I mean, it's definitely, definitely a thing. It's a thing to think about. <laughs> please think about it. Please think about it. Um, Just please think about it. <laughs> now, the things that I have done now, there was uh, one point in the Streets of Avalon game that I'm running that. I'm putting out in podcast form. We had an issue where the way I was describing something obviously bothered one of my players. And I checked in with them and then we walked it back and we just ignored that content. But I put a bumper at the beginning of that session to explain that situation in case somebody didn't catch what happened there. Because it didn't go wrong. Like I didn't keep pushing, it didn't cause a problem. It was just starting to be a problem. But I wanted to call it out because that's the kind of thing I think people need to be doing at tables. So I actually wanted to make sure that if somebody is listening to it, they were actually paying attention to that segment of the game. So I actually agree. And uh, it was very tempting. I had one very large safety fail at my table and it was playing a Grant Howitt game called Royal Blood. And it was very tempting to just cut that out, right? Like, just make that seem like it didn't exist um, mm. in the playback. And I resisted that urge, right? Because there's a part of this where not only did I learn a bunch about safety um, <laughs> by, by having that experience, because it was terrible, and I never want to do that to myself or anyone at my table again, right? Not only did I learn a bunch from it, where I, I thought that I understood safety before. And then now I'm like, oh, I, <laughs> I really get it now. Um, but like, so not only did I personally learn a bunch from it, but it's also like it can happen anywhere, right? Like I was sitting at a table of close friends playing with people that I know really well. And the X card was sitting on the table and we still had a major safety fail, right? Mm -hmm. And it changed the way that I talk about safety when I start a game. And it changed the way that I talk about safety to other people. But I also left it in that episode. If you're listening carefully, you can actually hear kind of how one of my players, he just immediately withdraws. He stops engaging. He was clearly in distress. And there's a scary thing that like, I have to then tell people about, which is when you have a microphone in your face, safety is different, right? Mm -hmm. Because... Instead of just the pressure of like play through the game, you are also managing the pressure of we have to keep recording, right? And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to keep recording. Like, <laughs> just stop. But actually, at the end of that playthrough, I sat down with Phil, who was the player that, that my safety broke for. Um, and we actually talked it through. Like, we talked through what happened. We talked through, like, 
where and why it went wrong. So when you're listening to the audio, you kind of hear it happen. And then we talked together through like what had happened at the table and why it went badly and like what we were going to do to make sure that that sort of thing never happened again. Right. So we had a lessons learned moment. And again, this is one of those things that like when you're putting yourself out there as an expert, like firstly, we all kind of have to understand that as humans, we make mistakes. But secondly, like when you make a mistake, I think it's really important that you acknowledge it and, you know, try to do your best to either like show your audience like this is where it went wrong and this is how I'm not going to do it again. Or if it's, you know, the context is different than that, then it might be something where you just got to, you know, show the world like, okay, I, I understand and I'm working to make a difference or make that not happen again. Right. So it is it's just a thing to consider. You're putting out actual <laughs> player streaming like you really are putting not just your content out there, but yourself out there and your content is representing you. So you, you have to you have to, you have to take that into consideration. <laughs> I think this 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 brings us kind of a, a a thing. I think, you know, players in the GM before starting up playing one of these games need to at least be aware of and keep in mind. People are going to be listening to your game or watching your game if you're recording video and all that for entertainment. But a lot of them are also going to be coming to the game. How do you play? Yeah. You know, like Jared said, when he initially put his Marvel Heroic game, it was because a lot of people didn't understand how the game was supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And while you don't necessarily have to, you know, I'm not saying do this so you explain every single mechanic, every single... No, don't, don't do that thing unless you, you are setting up your game to be something that teaches people how to play the game. But be mindful of the fact that people are going to be learning how that game and games in general work by listening to what you're doing. I mean, there is a reason that D&D has had an influx of players from Critical Role. You know, these are people who have listened to this and decided that they wanted to try it. So, you know, if you are putting a game out there as entertainment, those are things you should keep in mind, you know, both from the, you know, let's make sure we're, you know, you don't have to follow the rules exactly. Just make sure you know when you're kind of hand waving some things. Make sure you have your safety tools in there and you show how they function. These type of things. Don't be afraid of asking questions and explaining things as they go. You know, some some shows are edited, some shows are not, some are live streamed, some are afterwards. Just be mindful of these things. I also think there's a there's something that I've noticed in some actual plays, and this isn't me being overly critical, but it is something that uh, bring strikes. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something that strikes me. That when you are looking at this as an example of a game versus it being just wholly entertainment, and that is there are some shows when they become highly edited to where the rules almost become invisible to what's going on, issues arise that I worry that people sometimes will model. For example, when you have people that start doing like a player versus player scene and Behind the scenes, they probably talked it all out. There's probably, you know, everybody probably made sure that they're good and they're being safe and nobody's getting upset because they're doing this player versus player scene. But if it's heavily edited and you don't address that and someone watches that, 
they're coming into this saying, wow, this role-playing thing is fun. And also a part of the experience is being a jerk to the other players sometimes and not really working through this idea that if you're going to do something like that, make sure the whole table is going to enjoy it and make sure that you're not going to get any of that bleed from arguing with another player's character, you know, into arguing with another player. And those are things that when something gets too edited, I think it almost does kind of make that almost too hard to pick out. I mean, we might almost say, um, and this is a, a fine line to walk, right? Which is one that I have been trying to walk for a long time. And I think we ended up tilting more and more and just leaning into it instead of trying to take it out, right? Which is the balance you're trying to find is the balance between the game and the table culture and representing both of those things yeah. um, mm-hmm. at the same time. Because the table culture part is the part where, you know, you might say, hey, let's do a scene where this is happening. Or you have that really intense scene and then afterwards you're all like, oh boy, are you okay? I'm okay. Okay. Wow, that was really good. Like, right, you, you know, those reactions that rehumanize us as not our characters yeah. and recontextualize how we're interacting as people at the table instead of just right. as entertainment or actors, because we're different than actors. We're different than improvers because we're doing with rules and we're modeling both the the culture and the social contract that we're creating at the table and then also in the game. Having said all of that, improv stuff is really helpful and lots of improvers are really (laughs) successful at role playing because they're really practiced at making interesting decisions and driving stories and stuff because that's what they do. But, um, But that doesn't mean that that's the background you need to have to be successful. But it's a distinction. Right. I do think I want to I want to bring it back. Like something Senda just said and Senda said in the beginning, I want to bring it back as players in games that are being set out as entertainment, do interesting things, do interesting things, you know, don't play it safe. Don't, you know, don't don't play the game where you're you're you're, you know, fighting with every decision because you're afraid that the GM is going to screw you over. If you if that's what you're worried about, you shouldn't be playing a game that's being recorded in street. Yeah, I agree. You know, because it's, it's like, not fun do to do interesting things. Yeah, do interesting things, um, make interesting decisions, commit to interesting choices, right? Like make your girlfriend the bad guy, because <laughs> that's just the coolest way for the sword look. Um, you know you have to you just have to um but yeah just make as campaign would have taught us make brave and heroic decisions um just do it (laughs) so so send and i have been talking a lot but and (laughs) what uh what examples do you have of things that you've done in live or recorded sessions to keep things interesting you know, to to be honest, my experience is is really really limited because I got invited to run masks on on She's a Super <laughs> and Kate, it was, which was an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, and then I was invited to play on on She's a Super Geek twice, once for bite marks and once for Visigoths versus Moldoths. Oh man, I forgot that I forgot <laughs> that you were on both of those, and they were both so good. I forgot about all of I forget all of my shows the moment they're out. I'm like, cool, it's done. It's out of my brain. Uh and then I have been playing in Jared's game, uh the the Eberron Quest game, uh which is being put online. And I think I think 
one of the things I will offer is, you know, in addition to as a player, do interesting things, support the other players, you know, do things that helps set them up for interesting things as well. You know, it's the it's it's a, you know, one of the reasons people keep coming back to RPGs as entertainment is it is this collaborative magic that happens when you play a game and you get to see a little bit of that spark in some of these recorded games. And a lot of that comes from doing things to set up with and interact with the other players at the table. You know, this is not a game of lone wolves all, you know, hiding in their cloaks in the shadows and, you know, thinking dark thoughts about dark things as you wait for the GM to make things happen. I mean, it would be maybe entertaining to do that as a parody. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, oh, but but yes, you need to be proactive. Um, I have, over the years, I don't think that I was ever a terrible player, but I know that I was sort of a meh player, right? For a long time. Like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> I definitely was able to hone my skills both at playing and running games by doing them live because of the constant drive to make interesting decisions and because of the drive to share and to spotlight other people, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is, it just, the moment you have the mics, like, you got to share. You just got to share. Yeah. A I, lot I of would... the things that we, sorry, you go. Speaking of, speaking of sharing, she says, oh, talking over Jared. <laughs> no, no, no. No. No, I just, I just <laughs> wanted to, to point out that, that Angie's uh, thing that she shared with us and was interesting was we were getting to the end of i think the first session that she played with us and out of the blue she goes did i mention that i have a talking pigeon animal companion <laughs> <laughs> interesting decisions right there brave brave and heroic talking i pigeon. forgot squabbles until the end of the first session squabbles <laughs> is great i like squabbles <laughs> uh. And do we have time to talk about your other points on here or should we end this? <laughs> I, I think we should probably wrap up. I think if you really want to know more on the technical side of things, definitely check out the talk that Sam mentioned. We should be able to find the link and share it in the show notes. And if people really want us to talk more about recording, you know, podcasts, let us know. Leave a comment on the, you know, the episode on Gnome Stew or just send us an email. Or tweet. Or tweet. Yeah. <laughs> tweet at us. You know, there are ways to talk to us. We can, we can <laughs> send it out into the ether and it will find us. <laughs> Any last words before we move into the outro? Uh, <laughs> commit. Go make the thing. You can do it. And I believe in you. <laughs> You don't need. We believe in you. Yeah. Make brave choices. Make, Collaborate with. Make people. brave and heroic decisions. It doesn't actually take that much to start a podcast. Uh, you can do it as long as you're spending, willing to put in the elbow grease. That's the part that takes a while. The time you can spend a lot of time. You don't have to spend very much money. So go forth, do the thing. Yes. Any last things from you, Jared? No. <laughs> this show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Camera Familiar. It's round, it's an eye, it's a camera. It can follow you around and record everything you do for the entertainment of others. Just paint a little cute face on it and you can have your own personal spy. If you're enjoying the Gnome Cast, you'll probably like many of the other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. 
Yeah, um, you can listen to the Misdirected Mark podcast. Uh, it's uh, live every Tuesday, except that they're taking a big old long hiatus until January now or February. <laughs> I don't know. You should probably check out the one that comes out right before they go on hiatus because they talked all about it. Anyway, most of the time you can catch them live at 8 p.m. Eastern um, and they break down games and game design and game mastering and playing games in an effort to entertain and inform you. And even if they are going on hiatus, they have a huge back catalog. Huge backlog. So much backlog that when the <laughs> website went down, we didn't get it all back up. Yeah, I mean, even if the, I think it's like, what, the first hundred episodes yeah. are missing or something like yeah. that? That's fine. That's fine. There's still <laughs> the 400s there. now. So, like, you, you got some episodes, my friends. <laughs> You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Jared, where else can we find you on the internet? Oh, you can find my blog at whatdoiknowjr.com. You can find me on Twitter at whatdoiknowjr. And if you want to listen to my actual play, uh, that is at what do I know about actual play. Wow, you, you've got like a theme. I did. Well done. <laughs> you like thought this through before you started all the things. Good job. Which brings us to send it. Where can we find you on the internet? What you, is that Twitter handle? You can find me at the Twitter handle I did not think through ahead of time at all. It's at Idella Mithlin. I-D-E-L-L-A-M-I-T-H-L-Y-N-N-D. Because name generators are a thing. Um <laughs> Or, uh, or gosh, you can also hear me on uh, my other podcast, uh, She's a Super Geek, which is at S-A-S-G. What's my Twitter handle? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, right. It's S-A-S Geek Podcast. Um, or you can catch my other podcast, Pandas Talking Games, which is at Pandas Talk Games. And they are both on the Mistricted Mark Network, so you can hear them all there. Also, hooray. <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as orikes 13 O-R-I-K-E-S-13. I will warn you, Twitter is mostly dead since I'm not doing cons and there's no table selfies. And Instagram is mostly just pictures of my cats, but you can still find me in those places. So, do you think we avoided the stew this week? I have so much more information that I want to tell you about shows and editing shows and doing all the things with shows. This was supposed to be 20 minutes. It's not long enough. I'm just going to fall into the stew now. <laughs> Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. What's my Twitter handle? Oh my god. <laughs> what is it? Oh right, it's SAS King Podcast. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Please fix this, Rob. My goodness.